Amen. So um, it's an interesting commentary, Ezekiel chapter 34, because the nation of Israel has um, it is at this point falling away from the Lord. They're not following the Lord. They're, they're going after idolatry. There's, the, there's a mixed sense of worship that, I mean, it, it just sounds stupid to describe because they're, they're worshiping the Lord and they have the temple and they have the priesthood and then they are simultaneously worshiping false gods and pursuing all of that worship. The, the whole thing is completely corrupt. And uh, you can very often look at it and, and sort of blame the people, and that's, that's a- accurate, uh, that, that people have uh, sinful hearts and wicked hearts, and they are uh, moving away from the truth. But uh, the Lord uh, has quite a, a stern rebuke for the shepherds, those that are supposed to be guiding uh, the people of this nation, Israel. And uh, we can do all kinds of application uh, within our own country and our own nation. So uh, in this circumstance, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 34, looking at verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks? So um, we've talked about a number of different things in our culture and the world and the nation around us. I've, I've mentioned the website. You're all going to go look now. Uh, preachers in sneakers. Have you seen this thing? So, um, you know, they, they start out with a few corrupt guys where they're you know, taking note of the fact that they're wearing like exclusive designer label clothes and uh, they they tally up right their their outfit, right? What, what they're wearing. So so here's a preacher who's in a community of completely impoverished people. Right. He, he's he's not preaching in Vail, Colorado. He's he's preaching in we might say the ghetto. Right. And he's wearing $10,000 worth of clothes. Uh, That's remarkable to see that uh, going on. And this turns into a weekly review where they're realizing there's a whole number of preachers who are are purchasing sneakers in particular. That's what they become focused on. That are $5,000, $10,000, $12,000, just the sneakers. Handmade, exclusive, you know, designer clothing. You've got to have an appointment in the store to get in and even look at these shoes. That sounds like the gospel you've heard about, right? Okay. So, you know, in this whole thing, uh, Peter falls away. End of the book of John, Jesus restores him. Hopefully we're all familiar with that, right? What is the summation? Jesus says, feed my sheep, Okay. Right. So so he's saying to Peter, you're a shepherd and I want you to feed the sheep. What do we feed the sheep? The word of God. Right. It's it's really quite simple. Then Peter gives warning to the leaders of the church and he blatantly tells them, you're shepherds. And you must feed the sheep. 
and he gives great explanation about what, eh, slightly what not to do, but more about what to do. Keep your sheep healthy, and this is how, and guard and protect and feed, right? So that idea, that concept of pastors and church leadership being shepherds, that's not something we've assigned to ourselves. This is something that comes directly from the Lord. So we have to have that sense of oversight. A few years ago, at uh, the Northeast Pastors Conference at uh, Calvary Chapel Finger Lakes in Farmington, New York, Scott Gallatin, a senior pastor there, made arrangements for a friend of his who is a shepherd in Scotland to come and speak to us as pastors. Uh, he's not a pastor. This shepherd came and he, Scott, just had these key questions lined up for him. And just asking them about certain things that when we heard them as pastors, we automatically are like, oh, wow, we, we understand the reality of what he's saying. Uh, one of the things that he described in his Scottish brogue was, you know, that there are often now today um, what become wild dogs, Right. But they are domesticated dogs that have just fled from their owners. And there's a uh, sort of illustration within that itself. But they band together and they just go through the countryside. And they do kill sheep. But more than anything, they're just trying to get in the trash barrels and the garbage and things like that. But when they see the sheep, they chase them. And... It harms the sheep dramatically, right? Because a dog can run forever and the sheep cannot do that, okay? And one of the things that happens with uh, this occurrence with shepherds and caring for them in these stray dogs that have formed into packs, this Scottish shepherd says, even the smallest dog will chase them forever. And then... They'll be so afraid that they won't eat. The sheep become mentally disturbed out of fear. And even though you provide them with good food, protection, warmth, and comfort, there, there's an internal thing of fear and they won't eat. And he said they'll die within a day. 24 hours they'll be gone. That's remarkable, isn't it? Think about the spiritual implication there, right? So here's Jesus, Jesus, God, Jesus as God, Old Testament speaking through the prophet Ezekiel saying the shepherds are concerned about themselves, not the sheep, okay? <clears throat> I stand and very often, I, I, more than anything I get chastised about is the fact that I name the false teachers by name, Right? And I don't hold back in listing them and who they are. And, and people will directly and subtly say to me, you really, you shouldn't do that. To which I say, why? Why, why should I not name them? Okay, they, they are a proven false teacher. Those that teach a little differently, they're a little weird, they're whatever. Well, that's just, you know, that's no big. When they're straight up a false teacher that would poison your soul, why would I not warn the sheep? Okay, that, that's a very dangerous thing to the body of Christ. And it's important that you understand who they are and that you avoid 
anything to do with them at all. Why? Because it can cause you to not consume the word of God. Right? If, if I take the approach of not telling you, then I move into that slot where all I'm concerned about is myself. Just about how, you know, things benefit me, not concerned about how they affect you. That's very, very selfish of a shepherd to function that way. So continuing this thought, woe to the shepherds. That's, that's a very powerful statement. That isn't, you know, some mild uh, passing, hey, pay attention. <laughs> you know, it, it's the idea of like it would startle you. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do it right now, but like to burst out in volume and bellow the word, whoa, it's the idea of it should shock you into, well, like, what's, what am I, what should I be concerned about? And that's the idea here is woe to the shepherds. <clears throat> okay. If you find yourself in a place of leadership and you're not doing your job, then woe to the shepherds. It's an anguish. It's a warning. It's something that should dramatically catch the attention of not only the shepherds, right, but anyone who's under the influence of those shepherds. So anyone who's be, being led, you need to examine the leadership. So woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flock, right? And now the summation again, as I've said, right? Feed my sheep. And then here's Peter saying, feed the sheep, the pure word of God, and keep them healthy. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Part of my bringing this uh, was maybe you saw in mainstream media this week, there was a pastor that went viral. And uh, his video on YouTube was him rebuking his congregation incessantly, the, like through the whole sermon, because they didn't buy him a designer watch. <clears throat> and he's making the statement that I started asking you for this a year ago, and you haven't provided me with it. He's doing this live from the pulpit. Like, you can't, I, you see me, I get to see all of you. There are like 15 mouths hanging open right now. <laughs> I'm making this statement, and there's a bunch of you like, you know, it's, it's shocking. <clears throat> so, so what's really shocking to me is what made the mainstream media this week is he was rebuked by his leadership, so now he's apologizing, okay? Which might be good, but now you're going to go home and you're going to find it. And this guy, his apology is basically, well, it's your fault. Yeah. You know, in context, but I want to, I'll just, you know, he just says, I'll just straight up apologize. It was wrong. I've done irreparable damage, blah, blah, blah. Irreparable damage to what? His pocketbook, right? He's offended people. And now he's trying to smooth that over. That's what's going on there. You can hear it in his tone, his whole motivation in the viral rebuke of his congregation for the watch. And then in his apology is himself, himself. And what's really upsetting for me as a pastor, as a shepherd, is the flock doesn't even recognize it. The church is so sick. And I'm not just talking about his church. I'm talking like read the comments that follow and you can see people are completely missing the point. This man's not a shepherd at all. He's a wolf. 
He is a full-on carnivorous wolf, right? Do you leave the wolf in charge of the flock? I mean, it's, it's absurd, right? You know, do, do you, like, you know, go through the listing of uh, child molesters and look for a babysitter? Right? Th this is how absurd it is. And the church is like, well, you know, certain churches function in certain ways, other churches function in other ways. No, this, this, is, this is a carnivore that's protecting the flock. And this is what the Lord is saying right here. You kill and you slaughter, you know, here, the foundlings, the wool. Uh, that, that's horrifying to think about in regard to a flock. The weak you've not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they are scattered because there was no shepherd. They're not shepherds. There was no shepherd, right? There's a wolf in charge, and that's what drives them away. That's what turns them into, you know, these lost sheep. The, the, the binding, the broken, the healing. This Scottish shepherd that spoke to us, one of the things that he talked about was the inoculation of the sheep. And it's brutal. If you were, if you were watching it and you were doing a direct correlation between pastors and people as shepherds and sheep, right? This, this guy gathers all of his sheep into a very small pen, and with the help of his other workers, they're, they're locked in, and it's high fence because they can jump over. So they put them in a place where it's impossible to escape. This guy's got a big tank on his back is they you know pump it up manually it's an air tank that's full of the medicine and he's got a tube with a rubber end on it okay and so he takes each sheep and he straddles their front shoulders so that their head is right here and he pulls their head up against his chest and he puts the tube right down their throat and goes boom with that pulls that out quickly and holds their nose and their mouth closed and he puts his hand now this is very gentle looks violent but he holds his hand on their throat till he can feel they have swallowed three times right because then he can release them and no matter how much they thrash their head and try to spit that medicine out it's made it all the way into their stomach okay you know oh you're just forcing the gospel down my throat maybe What, what is the motivation of the shepherd in that situation, right? The health of the sheep and, more interestingly, the health of the entire flock. Because if this one gets sick, they're all getting sick, okay? And this guy over and over again keeps coming back to how quickly, how easily, and how fast sheep die. And, and in the end, you're just like, good Lord, who would ever want to be a shepherd? Right? There are some serious considerations, all kinds of things. 
stuff gets in their wool, lays eggs, festers, grows, kills them. When they see that, they have to pull that one out, completely isolated, away from the flock. Pull, pulling someone out completely away from the flock. Not, not because they hate the one and they hate the disease they have, because they want the one to get healthy and they have to pay special attention and see that they get healed and that they're restored so they can go back with the flock. The shepherds here today, think, think about the church today and how much shepherds are not engaged with their flock. Right? They aren't one-on-one. -on -one. They aren't talking. They aren't confronting anything. They're just letting it go. Here, the Lord is openly rebuking the shepherds. So when we see the world and we see the church and we go, that is some messed up, twisted stuff. What's the root of that, guys? It's the shepherd, isn't it? It's, it's those who are leading the congregation. It's, it's the ones who are there making sure that the health of the congregation is intact. It's very, very important. You know, <laughs> mega churches, I don't know if you've spent time in mega churches, but you get amongst mega churches, and, and if you've got any spiritual discernment, very quickly what you begin to realize is, Often, they are very sick. Not always, but very often, the entire congregation is sick. Because even the ones that are sort of healthy have only taken care of themselves. And they know that there's a whole bunch of sickness in the congregation. And they just try to stay away from it. That's really unhealthy. You want the entirety of the thing to be healthy for the Lord. They're scattered. They're lost. They're wandering. They're broken. They're sick. Tell me you haven't talked to these people in churches. They're broken, right? Spiritually, you talk to them and they are sick and they are lost, right? You thought they were a good Christian and then you start talking to them and you think, good Lord, is this person even saved? They're way off the mark. It's, it's unfortunate because these opportunities are all around so if a sheep is in this congregation and the shepherd's got him right by the snout and is shoving the medicine right down their throat as soon as they break away from that they just go to another flock they leave in order to not get what they need they seek their own comfort and shepherds welcome them in welcome them in it's a sad thing what's going on all around us listen you guys this is the Lord rebuking the leadership, the spiritual leadership of Israel in an effort to save them from the punishment and the destruction that is right ahead of them. And it comes because they don't heed it. They don't listen to Ezekiel. They don't change their function. They stay on that same course. Uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, I read New York Times bestseller list and it's just filled with poisonous authors. They're very popular in Christianity. You know, you read the Christian magazines and most of them are just filled with garbage. You tune into the, you know, the satellite radio networks that broadcast Christian, we'll use the air quotes there, Christian radio, right, all over the world. And you listen to the message that's being taught. You know, the music's bad enough. Right, the message that's in the music is bad enough. Then you have to listen to their, you know, DJs and the things they're spouting and preaching and espousing. It's really bad. 
I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying not to mention Caleb, but, you know, as I'm riding along, listening, and now they're making it, I'm, I, you ask my family, I, I'm like shouting about these people don't even know the word of God. Literally, don't, it isn't that I've got this microscopic understanding and therefore I'm being hypercritical. I'm literally seeing these people are so far off the mark in their worldly assessment that they, they don't even know the word of God. And that's what's feeding Christianity around the world. It's, it's, it's a terrible thing that we are in. And what, what do we need? Christianity especially needs to hear this rebuke and then make the changes. If nothing else, we, sitting in this room, need to hear this rebuke and make the change. For health. For, for, for goodness. For, you know, the right kind of prosperity. Right? The, the way the Lord would have us prosper in our relationship with him. My sheep wander through all the mountains, verse 6 says. And on every high hill, yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. No one was seeking or searching for them. No, no one, it's, look, it's not easy to climb the mountains and the hills and to go look for lost sheep. It's much easier to just stay inside my comfortable state of existence and tend to my ease. We, we need to go and find. And when the Lord's now put them in your path and you're thinking, oh, my Lord, I'm going to have to invest so much time and energy and effort into this one. Right. <laughs> That's what the Lord has called us to. Is to go and find them and pull them out and bring them back. I've described to you before that one of the most common uh, accidents and deaths, this Scottish uh, shepherd described to us uh, for sheep is when they get near shearing time, their wool is very big and very heavy, right? And if they get into water, right, kill them, pull that down, flip them upside down. They call that casting when they flip upside down. They they don't you know they they don't know balance well at all. They are dumb. Sheep are dumb. They see water, they want to get to the water, muddy embankment, and they just like head down over and wool flip, flips them over and they tumble down. Now they're in the mud, head underwater. Okay, you know, counting the sheep, right? You got 99 that are safe, one that's missing. These guys count their sheep at least three times a day. End of discussion. He go, yeah, well, that makes sense. When you've got 1,200 sheep, Three times a day, okay, to just discover two are missing, three are missing. You've got to go and find them, right? There's a great heart of a shepherd that would tend to the sheep that way and make sure that they're okay. These completely self-absorbed. Therefore, verse 7, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live. Um, we say things like that, right? Swear to God, <laughs> as I live, you know, upon so-and-so's grave, God can't do anything but live. He is life. All that exists that is alive stems from God. 
So when he says, as I live, that extends to everything. This is, this is a vow of promise that is all-encompassing. This, this is on as a, you know, if you know very, very reliable people, you got other people not so reliable, and you say, hey, you're going to come over, and this person that's not so reliable says, yes, you think, well, 50-50. Other people, you're like, 100%, right? Because they're reliable, right? The Lord is only reliable, right? There's no shadow. There's no turning in him. He is 100% reliable. So when he makes the statement, as I live, that's the greatest degree of authority you could ever hear. Okay? So as I live, says the Lord, surely because my flock has become a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against the shepherds. Man, that's, <laughs> I don't ever want to hear that. Right. I mean, you, you can, you know, take whatever approach you want with this. And it certainly has application to everyone who is a child of God, a sheep, part of the flock. But as someone who leads, I don't ever want to hear God say, Will, I'm against you. As I live, I'm against you. Listen, there are many who have assigned themselves, been assigned, taken the pulpit, you know, have the title, strut around, claiming, you know, shepherd, pastor, whatever, and God has said, I'm against you. That's, that's hard to consider. Anyone who functions like this in the negative, God is saying, I'm against you. You're in this for yourself, I'm against you. You're demanding of your congregation they buy you a luxury watch. I'm against you. That's hard, man. Now, now listen, don't be naive, flock. Encourage others, right, to depart from the influence of false shepherds. It is so detrimental. God, I'm against them. I, I have, uh, you know, come against those. You were supposed to feed my flock. You know, therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. This is one of the things that happened in those that they hired. If you send a man out to tend to your flock, and you gave him 100 sheep, and he comes back, and he's only got 99, the one missing sheep comes out of his pay. He has to give account to that. If an animal attacked and killed it, he has to bring the remnants back. He has to bring the remains of that animal back. And it needs to be evident that it was killed by an animal, right? It can't be neatly butchered as though someone had, you know, rack of lamb. If he's taken advantage of it for himself, he has to pay for it. I'm going to hold them accountable. Because of this, I will require my shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths. How about that? I will deliver my flock from their mouths. We think like the wolves, right, would attack with their mouth and bite and kill. But what the televangelists are doing is with their mouths, they are destroying the flock. 
the words that come out of their mouths, the teaching that comes out of their mouth, they are ruining God's flock. They are destroying it for themselves. They, 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 you know, the prosperity gospel only benefits them. They're the ones that get the money. They're the ones that fly on the private jets. They're the ones that buy the extravagant things. Their mouth, right, takes from the flock and gives to themselves. I'm going to deliver them from their mouths. That's an interesting way the, the Lord worded that, that they may no longer be food for them. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Now, right, you know, oh, the Old Testament God. Well, now you're seeing the New Testament God in the Old Testament. Okay, his, his compassionate heart, uh, his shepherd's heart, the way he wants to care for and feed. For thus says the Lord, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Reference to Jesus Christ's crucifixion and the far-reaching scattering of Israel that took place. They were scattered all over the world. And that ended up being a blessing because those who had been converted to Christianity took their faith with them and Everywhere they went, Christianity grew. But they ended up being scattered all over the world. And the Lord is saying, I'll gather them back. I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. It's remarkable to be there um, and experience the the Jewish people who have been brought back into the land. So um, many of you know I was in Israel uh, a number of years ago, and I got very sick while I was there. I ended up hospitalized on three occasions, and a big part of my problem is the language barrier. Right? You're trying to talk to people and communicate with people. I'm there. It's very different than American hospitals, right? They're telling me um, in their very broken English, you need x-rays. And I'm thinking, okay, let's do that. And uh, so then they leave me. And so then I have to ask, like, is somebody taking me to x-ray? And they're like, no, no, you, you will go to x-ray. I'm completely incapacitated, right? They, they don't even have an orderly to take me there. So now I have to go. So I ask for directions. They go out here and you take a left, you go down and you'll see the sign. Well, I go out there and I take a left and all the signs are in Hebrew. No joke, you guys. I'm literally there with Google Translate, like click. <laughs> you know, not it. You know what I'm saying? Click down the hall till I, you know, come to medical imaging and get my treatment there. I come back up. Oh, no, it's actually my next visit, and now I'm just crippled with pain. This is days later. Um, I've tried to push way too hard in order to be and experience Israel, and I'm back in that same emergency room, and it's, it's interesting. Um, an Arab gentleman recognized the struggle that I was came, having, and he came over. And he got his family to go get me water and a bunch of things that I needed so I could just sit there and wait. 
and I'm praying. Uh, he tells me he's a Christian, and uh, I'm praying with him and talking, and I, I say in my prayer, Lord, what I really need is someone who can speak English. And I say amen, and a moment later, I hear a hardcore New York accent over there. And uh, I say, excuse me, ma'am, uh, are you American? And she says, uh, Philadelphia, born and raised. And uh, I said, but you're, you're speaking Jewish? Yes, I'm Jewish. So she's a Jewish family, and the Lord has brought her back to Israel. She's living there. And now she serves as my translator for like the next hour, right? Because she understands all the nuance on both sides of the language. The great benefit of them being brought back into the land to the whole world. You know, they're going to bless the whole world in, in God's promises being fulfilled in them. You know, I experience it in this you know, super small way. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be expansive to a degree we can't even imagine. Right? So what the Lord is saying here is, I'll find them. You know, they were scattered on a dark and cloudy day, spiritually scattered, physically scattered. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to bring them back. So he reaches out to Israel in that understanding, but there's a church understanding and a New Testament understanding, right? Many of us were scattered. Right? It's interesting to me when I go and I do jail ministry to ask the question, right? It's, I mean, you can pretty much assume... Um, if you're having a Bible study in jail, then the guys that are coming to a Bible study in jail are professing to be Christians. Okay, Whether they are or not, that's a, a debatable issue, but they're professing Christianity. <clears throat> when you've got 28 people in a room, right? There's, there's a jail population of 46 inmates, and 28 men are in the Bible study. And I ask almost every time, how many of you guys were raised in Christian homes? And all the hands go up. Why? They were scattered. Why? No shepherd. Right? The storms of life hit, the, the hard circumstances hit, and they went the way of the world. They went straight into sin. You know, so you got to bring them back around. Point, point being, those that have been scattered, the Lord's looking for. He's trying to gather them back from the cells of your local county jail, from the cells of you know, your state prison. He, you know, tell me he doesn't want them. If they are professing faith in our Heavenly Father, tell me the Lord does not, his compassionate heart, does he not want to heal them? Does he not want to sue them? Does he not want to bind up what is broken? Of course he does. And I always make the point with those men, <clears throat> the reason your enemy attacks you so hard is because probably you're an extremely effective minister. You, you talk to these men, and it's amazing, men and women, that these are the people that communicate very, very well. And they are leaders amongst their criminal peers. They're leading them away from the Lord. Their enemies using them, manipulating them. If you can find them, and you can help soothe them and heal them, and bring them back, remember, right, the good Samaritan. And who he was attending to and the efforts that he put in. There's a great opportunity there to consider all of that. We've had men in this church who were off the hook nuts, right? I'll, I'll say by name, Aaron Davis, right? You know, there, there are a few names in this room that would have liked to throttle him, you know, somewhere along the way. 
Travis Carey, you know, pastoring Calvary Chapel down in South Portland now, you know, before both of those men got restored back to the work and service of the Lord. Aaron Davis had a knife to Travis's throat and was robbing him so he could go get high. Now they're both serving the Lord in Calvary Chapel, leading churches. You know, you go, oh, that's crazy. You know, remember Saul of Tarsus, right? Binding up, healing. The, 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 the dishealth of the church is very often what causes people to end up in circumstances. God will go find them and bring them back. That's very, very gracious, and we need to reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. The, these shepherds that he's rebuking aren't reflecting the character of God. They're, they're claiming to be children of God, but they don't reflect his character at all. Right? When Jesus confronts this group thousands of years later, he's just saying to them, you're children of the devil. You, know, you, you speak your father's native language, lies. You're murderers like your father. Right? It needs to be that these repent and follow the will of the Lord and do his service and reflect his character. I will bring them out of the peoples, gather them from the countries. Uh, they, I will feed them in good pasture, verse 14, and their fold shall be on the uh, high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down. That's the idea of in peace, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Now, listen, we don't have time because I want to jump over to John 10 with us. But the Lord goes on to rebuke the flock. So he's rebuked the shepherds, but he goes on to rebuke the flock. Because they have learned the selfishness of their shepherds, and that's how they behave in the flock. They go after the fat places of the pasture, the rich places of the watering hole, and they destroy the pasture and they destroy the watering hole for all of the weak and sick who would become behind. You know, health, wealth, and prosperity movement, which I've described here, right? Those pastors stand in the pulpit and they say, give to me, give to me, give to me, Right? Those that follow them most accurately are in the flock doing the same thing, saying, give to me, give to me, give to me. They, they've adopted the message and the method of the one who pastors them. It's, it's very, very destructive. So turn over to John 10 with me because I, I just really want us to hear Jesus' words. You guys, this is the sense of, we claim to be Christians. We claim to be children of God. And so, right, children emulate the characteristics of their parents, right? Whether we are bloodline or adopted, right? Because we're all adopted into this family as equal heirs. We take on the characteristics of our father. That whole question that sociology and you know, psychology deals with. Is it nature or is it nurture? Well, I can tell you this. Nurture can overpower nature, right? Because you were born as a sinful creep. And Jesus Christ shed blood, brought you into his family and his love. 
converts our hearts, our minds, our souls. So, John chapter 10, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So, we're probably mostly familiar with how this practice was done. They would bring the flock to a place. Uh, when they had large flocks, they looked for a natural barrier. So, there's a lot of rock walls. Get them into a corner of a rock wall, and then they would just gather bramble and stick, just drag tree trunks and all kinds of junk, and build another section to it where you can then just with one opening drive all of the sheep inside this sheepfold. So, however, it is constructed, you get the whole flock inside a confined area. Okay, and because you're not, you know, at home with a workshop, you can't build a gate, a fence, a door. Uh, they would then encamp in the doorway, the shepherd. So even build a little fire. The sheep aren't going to want to go out over that. You sit by the fire, you know, have your meal, tend your needs, and then when you lay down to sleep, lay right across that opening. You become the door, and Jesus is going to talk about that. So his assessment here of anyone that gets into the flock that didn't come straight through me, they don't behave like me. They don't act like me, right? If they aren't in the flock, if they're in the flock, but they're not reflective of my character, then they've come in some other way. They've come over the fence. They've come over the stone wall. They've come into the flock by some other means. It's, it's interesting assessment. Jesus says, right, later in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? That, that is going to be reflective of this current situation and what he talks about in just a few verses about being the door. You know, we hear people within Christianity that are, you know, saying, uh, look, like, uh, you know, Tim Keller, a lot of people like Tim Keller, very, very popular author and and here's tim being asked is jesus christ the only source of salvation and he spends the next 20 minutes just rambling around an explanation that never comes right down to saying yes jesus christ is the only source of salvation is jesus christ the only source of salvation flock okay if you can't get right down to that i'm not talking about being offensive but literally, if you ask me directly, is Jesus Christ the only source of salvation? I spend 20 minutes talking, and you get you can watch it on YouTube. I hope it drives you as crazy as it did me when I watched it. Okay? If I spend 20 minutes rambling, and we get to the end, and you're like, I, I don't really know what Will was saying. Then I've missed the mark. Right? If, if I can tell you, look, I know that a lot of people struggle with this, but Jesus Christ himself claimed to be the only source of salvation. And then I can talk about how others might be able to embrace that, that struggle with that idea. I know people struggle with that idea. But if I just ramble and I don't give you an answer, am I doing my job as a shepherd? You, you can't come in any other way. Right? People say that's very narrow. I don't like that. That seems really arrogant. Look, if this building catches on fire, and there's a fire right on that side of that door, and a fire right on side of that door, and I say to you guys, that's the only door 
out of this building. You're not going to sit in your seat and say, I, I find that arrogant. <laughs> what you're going to say is, I am so grateful there's a door. And that's the message. It's, it's not that it's arrogant. The, the, the message is how gracious that God provided any door, any escape. That's a loving Heavenly Father that does this. Add what C.S. Lewis said. I'm totally paraphrasing. I don't remember, right? But he makes the statement of Jesus Christ has done everything he could to block people from entering hell, even to the point where he sacrificed his own life. Right? He stood on that highway and tried to block anyone from getting around him with the cross. How gracious is this God we serve? So, so this message, I'm the door, I'm the one escape plan. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. If he comes straight through Jesus, the answer is very simple. To him, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Listen, I know the Lord uses men like Billy Graham when he was alive and others, but there is a personal Savior who speaks to every person's heart and leads them to that moment. And I think it's very dangerous when... One person has been powerfully used to lead thousands for those thousands to then become infatuated with that one. Okay, because the job of that one at that point is then to point to the one who beckoned to them. It is Jesus Christ who has brought them to that point of salvation. And that's what we each need to learn is while I'm a shepherd, right? While Peter was a shepherd, and he says, Jesus says, we are under shepherds because there is only one shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what you've got to develop. You have to, you have to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to develop a relationship with me or your pastor or whoever's discipling you? Great. But the message in their mouths needs to be Jesus. That's where they're going to experience that. So, uh, you know, calls his own by name, leads them out. And when he brings them out, uh, or excuse me, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. Shepherds in real world shepherding do not mind at all bringing flocks together. You got a hundred sheep, your neighbor's got a hundred sheep, push them into a pasture and let them mingle. And then you have a conversation with the other shepherd and then you disperse your team around and throughout the day, you all watch the entire flock and let them graze. And then as it's time to leave, they just start calling and their flock gathers to them. 100% without fail, they will separate to where they're supposed to be. Those that learn to know the voice of Jesus Christ know his beckoned call. What do I mean by this? Well, these bad shepherds, right, they've got their flock. And sometimes we get 
intermingled. And you'll get into a conversation with somebody. And if you, listen, more than anything, if you know the word of God, that's where it comes right down to, right? Because what's the deal? Jesus said, John chapter 1, verse 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word. You want to know His voice? Know His Word. You're going to be talking to somebody who's of another flock, led by another shepherd, and they're going to be saying the things to you, and you're going to realize that does not sound like the voice of my shepherd. Things that are being said in this conversation don't line up with what my shepherd says right here in the Word of God. The Word of God will teach you the voice of your shepherd. So if you neglect the Word of God, it's very easy to get confused. Right? You're watching something on television or YouTube or wherever and sounds good to you because you don't know the word of God. You can get horribly led astray, get very sick and injured in the process, completely lost and fat if you follow the wrong voice. The way to protect against that, know your shepherd's voice. How do I do that? Know the word of God. Am I making it clear enough? We need to function this way. So, knowing him, follow his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, those who truly know their, their uh, shepherd's voice, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. I want to go a little further. Hopefully I'll end close to time. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And this is the illustration I gave you before of pen them in, leave an opening and lay at the gate, camp at the gate. The sheep will not cross over. They understand the shepherd is confining them. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now listen, the influences that touch Christianity and pull people around and direct them and put them in places, as we've described, very often are corrupt. So you have to learn the voice of your shepherd. I watch as people get lured, mostly by their own desires. Okay, uh, Book of James telling us, uh, let no man say when he is tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone into sin. But each one is drawn away by his own evil desires. And when his desire is full grown, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Okay, um, the thing, right, Flip Wilson, now I'm dating myself. Flip Wilson always used to say, what? the devil made me do it, right? Okay, he's a comedian, and that was his shtick, and he had a whole routine based upon that. The devil made me do it. devil didn't make me do it, right? You pretend me, you know, uh, present me with certain temptations, I could care less, right? Others, they might be a big struggle for me. 
Okay, my desires. I've watched people. I'm going to close up with this, so try to hold your attention to this. I've watched people in the flock experience that temptation, and they go that route. And then when they're confronted, usually by me or sometimes others, they then try to present an idea of how this is good. This is going to fulfill me. This is the thing that's been missing in my life. I need this. And I bring them right back here and say, when it's destroyed you, understand that, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when your peace has been robbed from you, right? When your finances have been destroyed, when you have experienced these things, the stealing, the killing, and the destroying, then look back at what influenced you to go this direction and understand it wasn't your shepherd, right? Your shepherd was saying to your heart, and maybe your shepherd was even putting it in my heart and in my mouth to stand in front of you and say, please don't go this direction. Because steal, kill, and destroy is what your enemy has planned for you. Hearing the voice of your shepherd, knowing the voice of the shepherd will protect you from all these things. This is actually the first phase temptation in Genesis chapter 3. Right? Eve is being told, if you'll disobey God, good things will come to you. <laughs> and here we sit. Right? <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Right? When you face it, understand what's pulling you away. And understand what the end is going to be. And look, if you can look across thousands of other examples, people you know, they've taken this same path you're about to venture out on, and they've all been destroyed. But you're so insane delusional that you're like, not going to happen to me. Wake up. Right, Because what's going on is the magnetic pull of your flesh is being drawn towards the sin. And all that awaits you is pain. God is not keeping any good thing from you. Right? He has not put up the barrier and said, stay within this pasture because there are good things over there that he doesn't want you to enjoy. That's not why he does that. He puts the barrier in place for protection, for provision. The good things come, right? These sheep that understand his voice, they're given free pasture to go in and out and get what they need and get what they want. But they aren't experiencing the pain, right, that the enemy has in store for them. Learn to hear the voice of your shepherd. Teach others to hear the voice of the shepherd. And make sure, right, make sure as you encounter the false shepherds that you warn the body of Christ, you warn the flock of God, that they, it, isn't, it isn't right us against them. It's a matter of us for us. <laughs> we're, tr we're trying to promote the health, promote the healing, promote the finding that Christ wants for us. Our good shepherd, that's what continues here. So your homework assignment is read the rest of John 10 and the rest of Ezekiel 34. Read the rest of your Bible, really. That's what I'm trying to get to. 
But those two chapters in particular will teach you an awful lot about your relationship with the Lord. So that's the time we have. So why don't we stand and we will pray. Bible study tonight, 6 o'clock. Next week, Prophecy Update. And then that evening, Bible study also. Father, we are very, very grateful that you love us. How remarkable that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Help us, Lord, to trust you, to remain in you, to experience what you desire for us. Lord, we've seen enough goodness already in our own lives, our own experience, and recorded in your word to know that you have an excellent plan for your flock, for us individually. Help us to trust that. Help us to follow you. Help us to keep our ear tuned and our eye fixed upon you as our good shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless.